Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large Podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine. I hope you're all enjoying listening and reading. One of the things that's been weighing me down a little bit lately, and uh, please uh, reach out to me if this is happening to you as well. I will scroll through my Facebook feed and I see a lot of, you know, the, the normal cat videos and puppies and stuff like that. And then the, uh, the political discussions going back and forth. But I also see a lot of just large event photos and renderings. And I see a lot of people doing what looks like what our industry is the best at doing. I, I see, you know, photos from front of house. I see groups of people. I see uh, these rigs with lighting on trust that somebody has clearly put in place. And it makes me wonder, like, am I, am I missing something? Am I, am I not paying attention? It makes me wonder, like, am I being overly responsible or am I, am I the one being tricked into staying home while everybody else is out doing things? And it makes me wonder, like, what, is, is this a false photo and I, uh, some of the times I'll even go look at the, the, the date of the photos and I'll be relieved when I see that it's a photo from a year ago and it's somebody just reliving the heydays with me and with them with themselves and I get I get relieved it's actually a, uh, I can feel it in my chest like oh okay so that's from a year ago they're just they're missing the the concerts too but the ones that are they're current, I, I don't know how to respond to them. So I thought I would reach out today to a good friend of mine out of Nashville. His name is Jason Giaffo. He is a lighting programmer and director at Giaffo Designs. And uh, I'm hoping that maybe we can kind of commiserate here a little bit, Jason. I think I think you've been experiencing a little bit of this yourself. Uh, indeed, I have. Uh, thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, I mean, less, I mean, definitely in part with seeing like real shows going on, just kind of getting a little bummed out saying, Oh, okay, crap. Some people are, are doing this and I'm just, I'm sitting here another day and some of that. And like seeing some of these people that are like putting out the, these rendering concepts, their, their brains still seem to be in this creative mode. And I mean, to be honest, I've kind of been in a, a rut with it um, for quite a bit of the time. Uh, I think I held out a lot longer than most people. I think I made it about November still really, really motivated about where we were going to go with things and like, Oh, get ready for when shows come back. And I kind of hit a, finally hit a ditch at that point. I was like, man, I, I, I don't know how to put it into words. It was just kind of that feeling of crap. Maybe, maybe this isn't coming back soon. Like it's, it's going to come back. We know it's going to come back, mm -hmm. but like just all of that, that build of, of excitement and momentum and like wanting to dive back into it kind of like started to dissipate. So then now when I'm seeing people are still being creative or they're getting involved in shows a lot of the time for me, I'm kind of just going like, I'm excited for you, but at the same time, I'm kind of like feeling eh, when I get to watch that. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of a duopoly there where you're just like, I'm happy for you. I see you working. I, I couldn't be more happy, but you know, then you, you kind of turn on yourself and you have to kind of reflect like, like, how, how are you doing that? What did I, why didn't I get a phone call? And you know, it, it's really selfish, but it's also, it's, it's very honest. It's, it hurts. Yeah, you just want to be involved. Like, even if it's like, <laughs> yeah, even not just being like, Oh, I wanted to have that role. It's just like, I would like to do something. I finally got to do my girlfriend had a show a couple of weeks ago. I got to help with programming for that a little bit. And that was like kind of getting the light bulbs flashing again, pun 
not intended um, but then like had like a little live stream gig the other day too and like that was like it was just cool. like everything was done very safely but like just getting any taste of it, it's like oh yeah i used to have a life <laughs> i used to be, i used to know how to do shows like that too yeah i remember back in march a lot of my podcasts were i was reaching out to a lot of people and the over the overall big idea was like well yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna put a whole bunch of designs in the hopper so that i've got designs for years to come and i think that lasted maybe three weeks for most people they would do three or four designs and they're like okay let's that'll keep me for a while what do we do with the other 10 months of this seemingly uh this, this pandemic right like I, I remember like i was having anxiety for a while like crap what if i don't use this time as effectively as i quote unquote should be using it like trying to get time in with programming practice trying to like i did that that air 10 boredom buster that came up um which was a mm -hmm. fun one for me um actually I, mike Berger had designed that rig i just programmed it yeah I was like i was very focused on like oh crap like i was having moments of crap maybe we're about to come out of quarantine like like that was a bad thing because i felt like i hadn't done enough uh with the <laughs> downtime like i wasn't prepared enough with like i don't know how to do vacations it's it is a <laughs> legitimate problem um but yeah like i was but like after a year it's like okay i think we've all got some rust to kick off so like i feel i don't feel like I, i'll have people breathing down my neck for having not done a show in a year at this point man it's weird too because you you have to know in your in your core that nobody would have judged you for not getting enough done in the midst of oh. a global pandemic. Yeah, I apps like logically I always know that. It's just man, I, I have I I think I legitimately would qualify as like having work addiction. Like I it it's it's something I've actually tried to work on a lot during this quarantine process. And I've, I think I've started getting better with it, but yeah, there's a lot of uh, just anxiety tied into career stuff that I, I let take over a little, maybe a little too often. <laughs> um, I think a lot of that, that's one thing that, that kind of like bums me out too, is like, especially like with that, that Ayrton boredom buster, like I had a couple people reach out to me after that and they're like, man, like you did a really good job on that. Like, it just kind of makes me feel like I'm not doing enough. I'm like, no, like I feel like now I'm a, a link in in a really <laughs> bad chain because like half of me doing that was anxiety that I wasn't doing enough. And I was happy that I did that. And I, I had fun with the end product that I made. But like the point wasn't to make other people feel bad about themselves. Like they're not doing enough. Like I don't want to pass that on down the line. But I think that's kind <laughs> of just a lot of how our, our industry works, especially when, you know, a lot of us are, but really anybody who's an LD is a freelancer. Um, so like when, when your career is your work and your ability to eat is comes from your career. Like, I think that's just kind of one of those things that is a natural follow-up from it. And I think you'd actually written, it was from an article I saw you'd written quite a few years ago, just talking about how, how much more prominent mental health uh, issues can be on the road because of how hard, We'll beat ourselves up and i was actually reading that that article from a very negative point uh i was i, I was in a a bad spot when i was reading that so i was it helped me kind of put things in perspective that this is a part of this job is it is very easy to start beating yourself up i think one of the major factors in that is that it's not just our job you know, if you and I were working in an office at a cubicle and we went in from nine to five and then we just came home, you know, maybe we were adjusting claims at an insurance or something. You don't get addicted to that. Well, no. I'm sure there, I'm sure there's a few people out there too, but I mean, as a whole, that's not something that's an addiction. You don't go home and start adjusting insurance claims <laughs> on the weekend and practicing in, uh, adjusting insurance claims. But for us, this isn't just our job. It's our hobby. It's our passion. It's yeah, nobody got, I, I shouldn't say nobody, but I doubt many people got into this out of a sense of necessity. Like I got into this. I mean, I was, I was audio once a deep once upon a time, but like I got into this cause like I got to do it on a production. I was like, Oh, 
this is like fun. This is creative. Like I enjoy putting myself into this. That was the part of lighting that I loved was that you're adding a creative element to a show. You're not just making it work. So yeah, I mean, once you're putting yourself into something, you, it's very natural to just start getting like competitive and comparing yourself, your work to what other people are doing. Before the pandemic, my wife used to criticize me and, and it's very, she had a very valid point. She's like, Chris, you need a hobby. And I, I would always argue with her. Like, I don't need a hobby. My job is my hobby. And she's like, that's not the point of a hobby. <laughs> right. <laughs> my- so I'd imagine for you, somebody who has, is not a vacationer or vacationer. As soon as you have time off, you're like, well, look at all this free time I have to work now. Oh, it's, it's exactly that. It's like my, my girlfriend's favorite joke is that I need a girlfriend. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like, it gets really, cause like, as I'm like deep in working on a bunch of things, like I'll start, I've got pages and pages of notes. They're scattered all over the house and in one note on my computer, they're everywhere. Of just like, Oh, this is something I should do. That'll make my life easier later. So as soon as I've got downtime, it's like, how much of that list can I attack? Uh, and it, it gets, it gets toxic. It definitely is not always uh, a good thing. Uh, I, I try to remember to like actually leave the house and like go on, on hiking trips every now and then. Cause it's, it's very easy to accidentally flood yourself in what you do. If, if you're enjoying it. I I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I'm going to assume that you're one of the people that puts that in your to-do list, like go take a walk. Oh, a hundred percent. Like my, my daily, like, so like to try to, keep my brain organized because I've got more thoughts than I can keep up with. Like I've got like a notebook and in it, I definitely schedule like that. I need to go for a walk and I need to do like, I need to do a yoga and I need to, to do cardio. Um, just the, the things that keep me from falling apart. Um, yeah, I absolutely write relax into my schedule. I, I schedule eating, uh, when I'm at home because I a hundred percent forget I've, I lost I think I'm one of the only people that lost weight during the quarantine. I started at 155. I weighed myself the other day. I was at 138. I finally was wow. like, okay, this is this is a problem. Like I really need to just like just start to be honest, just start smoking a joint before bed and just stuffing my face. Um that was kind of my solution to that again. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a way to get around it. That's actually kind of what the uh, medicinal marijuana is 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 for that that Yeah. I mean, it's not uh, a, an, an unwarranted prescription there. Yeah. It, it, you know what it keeps, it helps me stop beating myself up one, uh, while I'm getting ready to head to bed and it helps me remember to eat. And for me, I need that. So like, you know what people want to shit talk it. That's fine. But like, it does me good. (laughs) So out on, when you're out on the road, does that, does having a, a daily, a daily sheet, does that help you stay on track? Yeah, kind of. I mean, once you're on a tour, like I think you usually kind of know what the flow is going to be unless you're getting some really weird days. It's less. Yeah. On the road, I actually do a lot better in that sense because I know the day is structured in a certain way. I'm not having to structure it for myself. I don't have these like 15 things that I'm trying to get in. I've got, you know, remember to eat, do your job, try to work out at some point uh, on those couple of weeks where I was actually feeling that motivated. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a lot easier when you know that the day is structured a specific way. It's easier for me. Okay. Do you think this is mostly stems from, from an ADHD? Is this, a, is this a physical thing that is just that compels you? Or is this completely a mental competitive thing with yourself? Uh, I think there's, there's a little bit of both going on. So I'm definitely very ADHD. Um, I'm not sure if HD, if ADD or ADHD. Um, okay. I've, I've We're not doctors. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I was technically diagnosed, but my doctor at the time was an idiot. Um, uh, like, cause like it's one of those things like to get on a little bit of a tangent here. I know is it's very misunderstood. Like I, at some point researching, I found out there's like seven different kinds of ADD and ADHD that like, they look like, similar symptoms, but different things going on in the brain when they scan people anyways. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so part of it's definitely that, uh, I get sidetracked a lot, uh, when I'm programming a show, uh, to be honest, I'd say about half my time is spent just trying to remember what I just changed views to do. 
because um, my brain will jump 10 steps ahead of me and I forgot what I was in the middle of doing. So it's definitely like part of that is that because if I'm at home, like I can do this, I can do that, I can do 15 other things and I'll just start jumping on things and realize, oh, well, I did the things that sounded fun, but like I didn't do the things I was supposed to do. Like it's April 14th and my taxes still aren't turned in. That kind of thing. But look, I can change the clock on an MA2 from Europe. You know, look at, I did that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I completely forgot what you were asking me about as far as day sheets go, which is another common thing for me. Yeah. We moved on from there to the ADHD and if how that affects you, how that affects your Um, daily daily schedule. It's... Being in quarantine, it's been really rough. Uh, I've stopped. I haven't taken meds for it in years because they just screw me up. I mean, Adderall is literally almost meth. Um, meth actually has a, a pharmaceutical purpose. It, it goes on the brand name Desoxin. I, I did a lot of digging into There's a documentary called uh, Take Your Pills. People should watch it if they haven't seen it. So I stopped taking those because like, they just screwed up my sleep so bad that it just turned me like, you have no emotions left, but you're still like, you're still moving you're still animated but you kind of don't care about anything um it was not a good thing for me um it also makes me very aggressive on the road i'll take it when we're on like day three of a run and i just you know it's day three of three hours of sleep i'll take very very small amounts of it because i can't handle my full pills anymore but yeah so uh, as far as quarantine goes sorry sidetracking quite a bit here um man it's definitely been been rough just because like without a necessary structure in place it's very easy for me to veer off and like some mornings getting out of bed like i'll find myself like in front of the coffee machine i've got one sock on and pants unbuttoned because like in the middle of putting on the socks i remembered pants and in the middle of putting on the pants i remembered i couldn't find my belt so i started looking for my belt and i ended up at the coffee machine because that's where autopilot took me I wish I could say that was just sleep deprivation, but that's not a, the most uncommon scene for me. My my girlfriend gets a kick out of reminding me to button up my pants. It's it's just it's a hopeless battle. With with ADD, like I think it's kind of a staple in our industry, and I think it's kind of for a reason because for me, like for example, with the plugins that I do, it's it helps me a lot because every time I am evaluating some piece of information, my brain is jumping ten different directions with it. Um, and that's good for when you're like programming a piece of software, because you're trying to figure out all the ways that something's going to be handled. You're trying to figure out all the steps necessary to get from A to B with code. Um, and for anything that I can spend a lot of time and like work on polishing it, it's great for me because it helps me consider a lot more possibilities than I think uh, a lot of other people would. Uh, the flip side of that is that like, it's very it's a lot more difficult for me to do things on a timely manner unless I have a deadline looming over my head. Um, and th- again, that's kind of where we're living on the road helps me is because like, you don't have time to get distracted. Like you show up, you walk into the rig, you suss out the rig, you start getting your show cloned in. Like you don't have time to be figuring out, Oh, maybe I'll be doing this. Maybe I'll be doing that. It, it f- kind of forces you into a certain mentality where your brain can't wander or at least you don't, you don't have the luxury of letting it wander so much, but yeah, it seems the more I talk to other LDs, like it just seems to be a really common trait. Like every, I would say every LD it's ever come up with that I've talked to that will say that like, Oh yeah, I'm definitely ADD. Like it's like a staple mental characteristic to get into programming. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm discovering it more and more. The more I talk to people, uh, my son is has been diagnosed as well. Oh yeah. Do you get so the majority of the day he's very distracted until he finds something that he is genuinely interested in, and then he he basically flips and becomes hyper attentive. Yes. And hyper focused. Is is that the same for you? That is that is absolutely me. Yeah. Um, like to the point where like, it's, it's also easy to get so caught up in a project that you start neglecting just basic things. I'll forget to eat, like forgetting to eat for me a lot of time. It's not like, oh, I'm so busy. It's like, I was so absorbed in something that I actually was interested in that. Like I lost track of time and I couldn't be bothered enough to, to go spend the 20 minutes getting something in my stomach. Um, so yeah, that's, that's hundred percent me. I'm either not focused at all. I'm not really tuned into what's going on or I am hyper-focused. Right on. Um, so- I, I work, it's, 
Yeah, it's it seems very much like a like an interest thing more than anything. Yeah. In your in your exploration of the topic, have you come across the hunter brain theory yet? I can't say I've come across that one. Um, All right. So hunter no. brain theory is the idea that it's not that ADD is something new or that it, it's anything that is medically inadequate. The hunter brain theory is that it's, we are pre-programmed to have at least 10% of the population be ADD in the fact that we need hunters and gatherers. Gatherers should be able to sit around and you know sort through different vegetation and they should be able to sort out and they should be able to be able to tell ripe fruit from not ripe fruit. But then while they're doing that, they need hunters and a hunter should be sitting in the group and they should be listening to all the trees around them all the time and being able to tell the different sounds. And then should they hear a, a rustling in the leaves that sounds like something that needs to be hunted, they should be able to drop everything they're doing and chase and not stop chasing until they have caught whatever it was or been able to hunt whatever it is that needed to be hunted. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a pretty accurate situation. Like, yeah, that, that seems like a very accurate um, source of that because that's exactly what it feels like with, with just diving into to projects. Um, my mom and myself, were both very much like, we know there's things that have to be done, but if there's something that catches our attention, that becomes the only thing that exists for a while until, until it can be sorted away. Um, so it's not always a good thing in, in, in daily society life, but like it is for me, it works really well if I can manage to structure my weeks in a way that allows me to do that and not lose track of the basics. Yeah, we're just not hunting bears anymore. Now it's programming right. code. Yeah. For many it, hours at a time until that code is cracked, you know? Yeah, it's a very artificial environment compared to what we were, <laughs> I, I guess, designed, uh, evolved to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think about that kind of stuff a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, instead of being out on the savannah, being able to go for a day without eating, while chasing a puma or a gazelle, you're just doing the same thing, chasing down that perfect code, that perfect Lewis script or whatever it may be. Yeah, just just trying to like, for me, it's it's the, the excitement for me is always trying to figure out like, how does this puzzle get solved? And that's that's what the big draw for me for code is. That was the big draw for me for like figuring out the console. Uh, a lot of the time, like if I'm on the road with something like it is, it takes a lot of effort some days when there's something that I want done on the desk and I know there's a way to do it and I know there's a way I can make it do it. But I also know that I've got 25 minutes till doors to get the show updated and I need to table that and actually get my damn show ready. Um, but yeah, for, for me, it's always like, how do I solve this puzzle? Um, math for me in high school, that it was very much that it was just a matter of like the the feeling that if I quit, I am letting a puzzle beat me. And that drives me fucking insane. <laughs> you don't, you don't like that. Huh? No, it just, it's just always like, I have to figure out the thing like that. I think that might be the thing that makes me tick is just figuring things out, solving puzzles. Right on. Do you think that kind of taps into your hyper comp competitiveness? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely, I've definitely been like a very competitive person all my life um to a fault at times um there have been a lot of things my parents tried to get me into music as a kid they i could not be bothered with piano uh, i got into middle school band and all of a sudden there were other kids to be better than and oh my god you could not get me to stop practicing um and i ended Interesting. up becoming, yeah ended up becoming a music major out of that like it it went very deep down that hole but you would have looked at at six-year-old jason you wouldn't have guessed he would have ever had any kind of musical inclination whatsoever um yeah it's been it, and it 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 is to a fault at times uh, and that's something that i've definitely been working on during this quarantine um because again with with our industry with uh, the way that just being an ld works when you see other people that it seems like they're doing bigger and better things than you are it, it can be very easy to fall into this mental position of going like, oh, crap, I'm not doing good enough. And 
like I've, I've spent a lot of time in there going crap. Like I'm not, I'm not doing well enough. Like other people are doing like so much more than me. I'm not putting in nearly enough effort. Like I need to try three times as hard, like forget sleeping, forget eating. Like we're just going to work on programming for the next three weeks. Um, and it, one of the things that's been really helping me is just been remembering to like, just to be happy for other people's successes. Like and not just getting so caught up on where do I stand? Like who the fuck cares? Like, am I, am I able to have a career? Am I still able to get work? Let's, let's take COVID out of the picture, but like, like people right. would, I feel confident that I would still be getting calls for gigs right now. I mean, I had a, an artist when COVID hit anyways, but like, I, I don't feel like I am in a spot where like I was at risk of not getting any more work by, by any means. So like if I'm getting work and I'm, even being mentioned for gigs that I'm excited about, like that's, that's all I really need. Like I don't need. And when I say that's all I need, I mean, I, I remind myself that that's all I need because I don't want to be like upset over other people getting gigs. There was a, a gig that had come up uh, in January. Uh, I mean, the band was, the band was literally the first band I, I ever like seriously listened to. Um, and it ended up going to a friend of mine. And at first I was like, I was really bummed out. Cause like, for me, that was like the dream gig, but it was also like the guy who got it. He'd been in, it was a metal gig. He'd been in the metal circuit for like 10, 15 years. I felt like he deserved that gig. I felt like he actually genuinely deserved the spot that he got on it. And I was genuinely happy for him because he had been busting his ass for so many years, making crap pay. It was good to see him get put, put on a nice gig. So like, it's kind of been just been kind of trying to remember to focus on that side of it and just remember that to, to be excited for other people and to think of it as a community rather than as a competition. Like as long as you can pay your bills and you're not going under because of other people just doing good at their job and they're not doing shady things to, to uh, elevate. It's not mm -hmm. quite the word I want, but then just be happy for them. Like it, this should be a community. We should be boosting each other rather than fighting with each other. Uh, Absolutely. And I really try to embrace that internally and externally. I would imagine for you, that has to come from a, a truly genuine place. Because from what I know, from what I know about people with ADHD is that the verbal filter is not quite the same as, as the rest of the population. Oh God. Um, uh, I've gotten, I've literally gotten fired for that one before. Yeah. yeah really? Just, just, oh yeah. I, I don't regret it. I, I looking back on the situation, like it got me put into a gig two weeks later that was paying me double. Um, like everything about the way that firing went down, totally not upset about it long-term. I made some great friends as a result of getting on other tours, but, um, what got me gone was I had built up like some resentment from other people that out of genuinely like not um, no ill intent, but I would just say things that came to mind and like, okay, this is whatever addressing a certain problem. Like this is bullshit. Like this is, this shouldn't be happening this way or just, just going and asking a question, but in a way that somehow comes across as abrasive rather than just, because I, I miss a lot of the details on like the the finesse on how you're supposed to ask for something. I don't I don't do well with any of that. It's just it does not come naturally to me, and I piss people off just by being unaware of what I've said. Um, so it it hurts me sometimes, but yeah, that that verbal filter is uh, it's weak at best. <laughs> it comes from such a genuine, radical honesty place too. It's it's. I wish people could put their egos aside and you're like, well, Jason didn't mean to hurt me. He's just, that's just the way he is. He just says things that come from his heart, you know? Yeah. But you get on, you get on bigger tours with bigger egos that have been established for a while. And there, there were some, I want to say some threatened feelings from certain okay. people and just, sure. Just people saying, oh, this this kid thinks he's a, a lot bigger than he is. Like, no, it was never. Uh, there's been a lot of times where I, I've, I've rubbed people that way. And no, it's never been that. I was just asking a question that I didn't realize is like somewhere written in some social rule book that you're not supposed to ask it that way. Okay. Oops. Sorry. Yeah. It's uh, when you start challenging those social norms, people don't take it as, as well as they could. Uh, yeah. And like, if it was a direct challenge on some things, like I could get it. Like I, I've had a designer think that I was trying to steal his gig just cause I was trying to 
be helpful with what a PM asked of me. Um, just because like I was socially, I was oblivious to the social, social situation there, which like in hindsight, like I gave them renderings, like I see exactly how that started turning bad, but like, I just, I was asked, can you do a rendering? This? I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Like help get ideas together. Yeah. Why not? Didn't even occur to me like, Oh yeah, no, that's the designer's territory. I definitely need to like step down on this one and like hit him up. Um, those things just don't occur to me. All I saw was, oh, I'm being asked to do something. Can I do it? I'm sure I can do it. Let's try it. It was just excitement. <laughs> oh, man, that comes from such a genuine place. You're like, you know, that, that, that seek for approval, that just, yes, I can. I have the capability of helping you and you need help. I'm here let's do this. Let's, let's help each other. And yeah. And like, I, like for me, like I kind of just want to be able to approach a lot of things in life from that position of like, okay, well, here's an opportunity. Like somebody needs something like I, I genuinely enjoy getting to help other people solve problems. That's really what helps me put like when, when I'm working with people who will have like a, a, a they've hired me to do a plugin for something specific they need. Like I enjoy a lot more working on those than on some of the general ones that I sell just because like this person has a specific need. How can I best figure out how to address that? Um, that also gets me going. Like I, yeah, I don't know. It kind of sounds cheesy. Like when I start saying it out loud, but like, I just, there is just a big element of enjoying uh, wanting to help people solve things. I hate to tell you, but it's severely going to hamper your uh, chances of taking any sort of political positions. That's yeah. not, it's not going to work out well for you. Yeah. I've, when I, I've been doing a lot of just reflecting on what do I even want to do with my life as a whole over this quarantine. Um, and I was talking to my uncle. He's like, oh, you should go into politics. You always have these like really deeply d developed ideas. I'm like, I'm I'm not cut for it. Like one, I actually want good things for people. And then two, <laughs> like I say what I mean. And apparently that's not how you get up in the ranks. And I don't do backstabbing. Like I really just, I don't like working that way. Um, I, I get really like I've anytime I've ended up in a situation where like I've been perceived as having backstabbed somebody like it makes me thoroughly like, I don't think anxious is even the right word. Um, just because like that's that's decidedly not how i want to be going through life um so yeah i don't i would not be cut for politics not <laughs> not me um probably drop too many f-bombs and just <laughs> so from just what i know what about from what i know about you've seen you online is you're you're very open and transparent which is i think i think that's what you can't be in politics you have to have a you have to hide some of your cards, which I don't think you're very good at. No, no, it's, it's just not a thing for me. And again, like, yeah, I'm not sure how much of that comes down to what you've mentioned about how ADD, um, that tends to be a trait that they just tend to not have a very good filter. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I just like just having open conversations about things, um, I have to be very selective about what I post on Facebook. I'll have all kinds of ideas about like, what if we thought about the world this way? What if we thought about the world that way? I'm, I look at how it would look to say that. I'm like, man, people are going to think I'm psycho. <laughs> They're not going to get it. Nobody's <laughs> going to get it. Yeah, that's tough. That's so tough. Cause my, my son, he, he comes up with just these crazy ideas and we'll be right in the middle of a totally different conversation and you'll see it in his eyes where like two things will connect and we'll be talking about water and, and like drinking water and ice cubes and stuff. And then he'll connect ice to Minecraft, which connected to something he learned in school. And then just this brilliant, well-constructed sentence will come out in the middle of nowhere. And he'll be like, what, what just, what just rattled around in your brain? And, <laughs> That used to drive, like my stepdad used to go nuts with that when I, when I was growing up. Cause like, I, I call them the chain reaction thoughts now. Like you, <laughs> you get one thought and like in a matter of a second, you can be 10, 20 steps removed. And like, sometimes I have to stop. And if I'm in the middle of a conversation 
I don't even know how to explain how I got from what we were talking about to the next thing. But like, they'll say something and like through all of the various nodes connecting in my brain, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, oh, that connects to this completely unrelated thing. Like we were talking about like the fence. How did your, your engine problem come up? Like, how did you just figure that out? It's, that's just, yeah, it, it's, it's the association of a lot of strange things, which is kind of what creativity is, isn't it? Like just yeah. associating things in new ways. Uh, and I think that's why a lot, for me, a lot of more creative ideas come about at night when, when you're tired and thoughts are just kind of starting to bounce a lot less in a structured manner. And you start getting combinations of thoughts that wouldn't usually go together because, or at least for me, because your brain's just kind of not really structured. It's not, it's not holding logical lines of thought as well anymore. And a lot of the times that's how you get these interesting associations. And that, that I enjoy that part of what my brain does. So to take this microcosm into the macro scale, I think that's what open source material is doing for technology and society as a whole. It's just basically taking these little nuggets of information, putting them out there to everybody. And every little person looks at these little nuggets of information like, oh, I can use that to put here. And then they can build on that bounce it back to you. And next thing yeah. you know, these, these brilliant codes have been written to help out so many people because all that information is open and available online. Yeah. I mean, the, especially because I think a lot of programmers are probably in a very similar mindset where like when I say programmers, coders uh, work in a very similar way of just like wanting to work on things that excite them. Uh, and when you're just working on something that you're passionate about like even if it's a silly like objectively i don't even want to say silly but something that might not be commercially significant right something you're mm -hmm. not really going to go and, and make money off of but you're just doing it for the enjoyment of it um that's where you like you can set up a building block that somebody else can can start working from yeah and like again that's that's part of what i enjoy with with the plugins i, I don't i i don't open source or like i guess make uh totally unobscured all of the projects that I work on. If it is something I'm trying to, you know, add some commercial value, it's trying to cover some bills. Cause frankly, that's, I think might be the only thing that's kept me from going into debt or going under during this whole COVID thing. But like, I also want to like be able to contribute to people and just, and allow what I've learned to be built upon by other people who are also just getting excited about doing something nerdy. Um, and as I've gotten into coding outside of Lua, like the amount of open source libraries out there, the amount of what other coders have made available for people to use is just incredible. The amount that you can do with, with other code that you can download for free is astronomical. Yeah, I, I think that uh, you're in the perfect spot for that too, especially with the Lua stuff. It's just... You have you, you once you open that up to so many people, there's it's only going to take one person to go like, hey, Jason, can I do this with that? And you're like, give me five minutes, and I, I'll come <laughs> back to you with that. You know, to be known as the as the guy who can solve those problems and figure out the put those puzzle pieces together, it's it's very useful. It is, uh, and yeah, I have fun. Like any time, last time I was hanging out with a friend, they were they were programming getting ready for a live stream and he was like man i wish the console could do this and i was just hanging out in the room so i'm like do you now huh it just 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 so happens i have my laptop on me give me about 15 minutes i'll make that work and like I, again it's it comes it's both getting to help people and getting to solve a puzzle you put those two together i'm like i'm so focused on it <laughs> So that brings me to one more thing that I think is, is totally yeah. along this line is I see a lot of people online posting questions like that. And eventually I'll see somebody go on and post like, what a dumb question. Who would ask something like that online? And I, I could spit. I get so angry when I see those. Yeah. And I, man, I've never, I've really never been a fan of those. Like the only time I will get really the only time I get frustrated in, in the forums is either people shitting on other people or when people are advertising crap. 
Like if you're advertising something that's like thoroughly related to the thread and like, you're not just spamming it, like I get it. Um, but like when I'm in the Lua plugins group and like, I keep seeing ads for Chinese lights or cars, I'm like, for fuck's sake, like, but yeah, sorry to get, to get back to what you were actually bringing up. Um, <laughs> it's all, all relevant. It's all, it, yeah. All it, related. it frustrates me because like I had a lot of, what I'm, what people might consider stupid questions when I was starting out. And especially like there are times where you might ask something where you're really trying to get at something else, but you don't even know enough about it to, to ask the question quite in the right way yet. And so like when people are asking like, and I, I, I've had my share or two of like responding to questions that Maybe I've called the dumb question specifically. There was one of like, how many LED lights can you put on a circuit? And I was like, well, kind of asked an incomplete question there. You didn't really give any information. <laughs> so I, I told them, I put some information there like, oh, if you use step up transformers, you can get up to 200 lights on a zero amp circuit. I got really smart assy about it, but <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, but yeah, like when people are just asking new questions, I think it's, I think it's shitty to to be mean to them for not being at your level yet. Like you only yeah. get somewhere by continuing to ask questions. Now it, it is important to try to ask intelligent questions and to try to like really think to be also thinking about it before you just ask the world to, to actually right. be putting effort in because that's how you're going to come up with the good questions. Um, not like, not things where it's blatantly like read the manual, like where's the patch menu? Like, you know, the manual has that, you know, if you type patch into the manual, it's going to tell you how to get there. Oh, I'd say type in, they're all online now. Um, yeah. But yeah, when, when people are just trying to learn, like help them learn, help them get to that better level, help them get closer to where you are and be the person. I, I always think of it as be the person that you wish you had had when you were starting at, out. Like, I feel oh, like that's a, that's a really healthy way to look at it is like just trying to be what you would have wanted. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Or what you would have that's wanted to have be the person you would have wanted to interact with when you were starting out. It's like, I feel like, yeah, again, it's, it's all community. It's all the, the thing I love about the lighting community as it currently stands when you compare it to audio is there's just a lot more actual community to it. Uh, whereas like when I was doing audio stuff, it was a lot more, I don't even know if I want to say competitive. There were a lot bigger egos on the line, like okay. really, really massive egos. Uh, and like, I, I don't want to like throw shade at all front of house guys, but I've met a lot of front of house guys that have massive egos. And like, I don't know if that's just going to be, a an artifact or a, a side effect of working in a part of entertainment where there is so much steeper of competition the nicer thing about lighting there's a lot less people doing it and i think as a result of that there's a lot more community feel to it there's a lot less people who are willing to tolerate uh, counterfeit software for example in the audio world counterfeit copies of every every audio recording program are everywhere like it, it is so easy to just track down some kind of a hack of, of pro tools, or at least it used to be, I don't know where things stand on piracy technology now, but like the lighting community, you see a counterfeit MA posted up and people will go, will absolutely not tolerate it uh, because yeah. they don't want to see the product that is helping them have a career getting hurt because it's still small enough of a community where that's the case. And the, the only thing that I'm kind of apprehensive about is that as our community grows, I, I worry about it turning into more of what I've, I had experienced with audio, which was just that hyper-competitive, a lot more big egos and a lot less community genuine care. It's probably a better way to order that sentence. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I agree. There's a lot that we have to do to, to help one another. And, that, and that's uh, on a professional and on a mental level where we really have to to, to keep out, keep an eye out for each other, making sure that uh, we're not pirating each other and make sure that we're not competing with each other so much that we drive each other into the ground. Yeah. Like it should be a, a healthy competition. Like I, I have, you know, friends in, in lighting that 
I'll like want to do maybe like a programming challenge with none of them have ever happened because we all know how it is actually getting the projects, but like that I would want to see like, okay, that person's doing something. Let me see if I can do something just a little bit, you know, bigger than that or a little bit better than that, but not on a level of like, I need to be better just on a, on a friendly competition level, like of just wanting to see, okay, that's what you can put forward. Let me, let me fire one back and then let's see what you've got. That kind of a mentality. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, this it's, actually, maybe it's a uh, bit naive, but this actually comes back to where we started, where you, you really should be competing with yourself more than you should be competing with everybody else. Yeah. And on a, in a healthy way, not in a, healthy in a not in a need to be better than, but in a desire to be the best that you have available, the, the best that you can be for your sake not for everybody else's sake, not for the praise that you can get out of it, just because you want to push yourself to that next level and you want to see if you can do it. I, I think it's, it's important to, I think competition's important, but only in healthy ways where you're not destroying yourself and you're not creating a toxic environment for others in the process. Yeah, uh, you, you should be putting out the code that you think is gener genuinely helpful but you should not be writing codes that uh, that destroy the entire show file after you leave. I think that's where competition turns toxic. Yeah, yeah, and like that when I was like when I was teching, like uh, you actually had Chris Stuba on last week. He was the first LD that I worked with. Well, he was the first LD that I was a tech under. Uh, Libby something with 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 sticks was the first one I ever worked Libby with. Gray. Yeah, she was awesome. Um, but Stuba, um, like he was totally happy to like show me like just show me stuff on the console when there was some downtime. If I would come out to front of house, explain some of his programming to me, explain like some of the things that were in the desk that he was using that I didn't understand. Um, like we had some festival, he let me patch it in just just to give me an opportunity to to be on the desk. Uh, and like anytime I've been an LD with text, like I've tried to like be very open uh for like if if i can help you learn like obviously the show has to be prepared and and everything for the day first but like i'm always happy to try to help show other people through the desk and also i'm always still happy to to be listening to other lds even if they're people who have been using the desk for maybe they've only been on it for three months i've learned from house lds that honestly i didn't think they even knew how to find the patch menu some of them and like you'll get in a conversation with them and i'll realize oh this guy like he just showed me something i didn't know existed on the desk that's going to completely change how i do festival season this year and i didn't I, I didn't know you on an ma you could put um you could store your presets into your fixture profile i learned that from from some random house guy that i at, when I met him, I didn't think he was very strong of a console guy, but he still knew something that I didn't. Uh, and I just think it's always important to kind of put your ego to the side and remember even somebody who's not super knowledgeable still might know something about something that you don't. And if you stop thinking like that, I think you really set yourself up to be old. Like I think being old in the sense that you've stopped learning, you've, you plateaued. Um, mm -hmm. There's always going to be somebody who comes in after you and they're going to work things in a way you never thought to and you can either get upset that you're not on that level or you can learn from them and be friends or maybe they're an asshole maybe you can't be friends you can still learn from them <laughs> i've learned from many assholes that's yeah for sure like crap it's uh, we're definitely not short of egos in this industry but you can still learn from people even if they piss you off i i would race through some of my programming stuff to just to get to that that uh, that coffee talk where you're just hanging out with the house guy and like, hey, so here's something that I do now. Teach me something that you do, and it's, uh, yeah. I love that back and forth. Yeah, especially anytime you're at a pl uh, a TV gig, for example, or any any time when you're. Well, I, I say a TV gig because I'm not a TV. Um, I, I'm generally not a TV LD, um, but like getting to work in some other part that you're not familiar with, so you get to talk to these people. Well, what's your workflow like? Like, what are some of the things that you're generally doing? The couple of times that I've gotten to do TV gigs, I love talking to the programmers and the designers out there because I just get to see everything in such a different way and get to see such a different way of working and thinking. And that's really exciting for me. And I, I think that's important for just being able to, to grow outside of your box. 
it kind of plays into as well. Like, I mean, I don't know if they're super related, but like not getting super married to like one console type, which like, I'm, I'm kind of like throwing stones in a glass house here. Cause like, I really only know MA well. Um, I can, I can get my way through a couple other consoles enough to like make a show happen, but hardly, but like people seeing the MA community, like a lot of people getting like really upset about people comparing the Avo D9. Like, I think it's a really solid looking desk. Like I'm excited to see what that thing can do. And like, I don't think people should be upset about MA, like comparing it to MA and saying, Oh, MA is always better. Like first off, don't say it's something shouldn't be considered competition. It abs- there should be competition. We need people keeping console manufacturers competitive and pushing and trying to reach that next level. Otherwise they just get lazy. And I, I, as much as I do love working with MA as I know it, I do have to say they've been lazy on some things, in my opinion, the way that their effect editor has been for the last forever. Um, a lot of the things I write plugins for, I wouldn't have a market for plugins if they just implemented some other features. So like, I don't think competition on that. I don't want to like shit on MA. Like I, again, I do love the workflow of it. It, it works very well for the way I think uh, it's a very technical workflow and I, I'm a very technically minded human. But anyways, all of that just to say like welcoming competition on the tools that we use and not getting so married to, to using something that that we think that somebody else competing is a bad thing. Um, I forgot what the original point you just brought up was and how I got there, but here we are. (laughs) Oh yes. It's so bad. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually, that is a, that was a great tangent. I think that was a a very worthy way of, uh, of wrapping this all up. Those are all great points. Right I am, on, I'm always happy to go on rants about one thing or another. That is the the, <laughs> the guys on when I was on Kane would would call it the eternal rage. Um, I never I never <laughs> failed to be able to supply that one. <laughs> right on, man. Thank you so much for your time, Jason. This has been really yeah, good. Man. Good talking. I, to you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>